podcast fam, Cody started his agile learning journey at Tower Hill Insurance Group 12 years ago, where he experienced firsthand the power of autonomous teams. Growing up an avid fan of team sports and being coached in both the sports and business arenas, Cody's appreciation for the craft and his curiosity of change theory created a natural transition to becoming an agile coach. What does it mean to be an agile coach? Find out in today's episode, episode 164 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is being brought to you by Kyle Cohen over at Leonardo's Millhopper. When the work week gets away from you and you look up and realize that you don't have time to cook dinner, pick up the phone and give our pizza family over at Leonardo's Millhopper a call. They have some awesome early week specials going on like Manicotti Monday, Lasagna Tuesday, and Chicken Parm Wednesday. Plus, each order comes with delicious garlic knots. Uh, you get all of that, you guys, for $10. Take out, have it delivered through one of their partners, or better yet, go dine in. The salad bar is open again, and things have been really cranking as of late, so be sure to stop in to Leonardo's Millhopper today. Give them a call at 352-376-2001 or order online at leonardosmillhopper.com. Calm. So thank you, Kyle, for all of your support. He was just co-hosting with me on episode 160 just a few weeks ago. So be sure to go check that out. We had a little mastermind session with some startups and it was awesome. So thanks for co-hosting with me, Kyle. And uh, you guys, it's time to get into today's episode. Today on the show, we have Cody Mesh, Agile Coach for Institute Agility Cody. Welcome to the show, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So uh, I was like thinking to myself, do I say agile or agile? Because <laughs> I was asking Cody, I was like, how do you say it? Goes, it depends on where you're from. I'm like one of the guys that says agile. Are you agile? Agile. Agile? Is that? I I've heard it all. <laughs> You've heard it all. Just like the pronunciation so of my last name. So so Cody, before we dive into a lot of this stuff, let's uh, let's start with your story, man. Like tell everybody, you know, where you're from, how you got to Gainesville, you know, some of your career path, and, and then we're gonna dive into some of this coaching stuff. How much time you have? <laughs> um, so born and raised in Southeast Texas, you, like, even though we're friends, you likely didn't know that about me. Um, born and raised in Southeast Texas. Where in Texas? Near Beaumont, Port Arthur. Okay, Yeah, I went to high school in San Antonio, so I'm like, I'm a big Texas person. My, my brother and sister were born in Del Rio, Texas. And so, yeah, we got some Texans in the family. <laughs> I didn't know that. I bet you didn't know that about me, even though we were friends, Cody, did you? I, I did. It's <laughs> the whole reason I'm uh, here, learning about you, Colin. Around 18, 19, I left Texas. Went to Tallahassee. Um, just trying to leave the culture of Southeast Texas. It just, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I realized that it was a fixed mindset. Mm. And... Um, I didn't see much growth opportunities for me there. I later realized this about myself. Um, went to Baton Rouge for a couple months, it wasn't far enough, it was still too close, and the culture was too too similar. So I uh, landed in Tallahassee around 1999. 
stayed there for a while. Uh, went to Florida State University. Okay. Um, don't hold that against me. <laughs> and, and your I, try, I try not to every time that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just dropped off of the, the podcast. But we're out. Um, 2008, after I graduated from Florida State, uh, my ex-wife wanted to move here to go to law school. And so uh, it was one of the options that she was exploring. And it was close enough to Tallahassee where I could still pop over for games and such. So we, we landed here. Uh, at the time, I started working at Tower Hill Insurance Company, uh, Tower Hill Insurance Group, as a project manager. And that's where I actually started my lean, agile practitioner learning journey. Okay. Yeah, still on that journey. All right, so what, yeah, so what did that look like? Why did you... And explain like I think you got to even explain like what it means because I think people hear you know agile coach you know institute agility like I mean what are those things what what's what is this institute agility right and then like what does it mean to be an agile coach we teach organizational yoga no uh, slightly <laughs> kidding um, so at the time as a project manager this was during a time where the industry software industry was experiencing a shift going away from managing projects towards thinking about how do we deliver value incrementally. And so we actually had an agile coach. This is in the very early days of agile coaching becoming a, a profession and um, a service offering. And we had an agile coach, which is actually my mentor. Uh, I still consider Steve as my coach. And um, he came in and, uh, what resonated with me at the time was the focus on creating s teams as systems, uh, as groups of people that stay together. Uh, so I, I experienced a fundamental difference there, going away from focusing on the thing that we're building and having more of a focus on the knowledge workers that are actually um, the system that's responsible for being able to create cool things. So it, it also, implies that there's the ability to make quick adjustments. Whereas traditional project management, it's a, pretty much a, a fixed feature set. So you lock in the scope, the old way of doing it was lock in the scope and then you make budget and uh, time as something that's flexible. Well, with Agile, we actually flip that upside down. You make the features flexible and you lock in the time and the scope. Okay. So where, like, how has this gotten to where you are today? <laughs> um, because you're doing that with Tower Hill, right? Yeah, at, what you're saying. at Tower Hill, I was, a a, I was a scrum master, which is basically I'm coaching one team. Okay. But also focused on coaching the rest of the organization by helping understanding what within the culture, what within the, the system of work, the way we work, uh, ultimately, that's what we do is we help change the way we work as coaches. So I learned how to engage with knowledge, knowledge workers and really create a system where we align on how we want to be and we align on what we're producing together and constantly making adjustments to those things. And, and really what it, what it is is having that growth mindset, but also it's, it's a continuous learning journey. Um, so through practicing it, what, I wanna take you back for a second. Remember that I mentioned that at the same time, um, my ex-wife was the one that wanted to relocate to Gainesville. Um, I was going through a period of my life where I was experiencing a lot of change. 
work was changing, my at-home relationships were changing, uh, I started to realize at that time how important relationships are to me. Um, which I think I've spoken to you about that a little bit before, yeah. outside of the podcast. Yeah. So that that was the, the fundamental time. And so at that time, working with Steve and understanding how work-life balance and how those things, they mesh, if you will, <laughs> play on my name, um, the way that those things relate and impact each other, I started to, I wanted to have the same impact that Steve had on me for other people and, and relationships. Okay, and so that's what led to this institute, this, mm. co this coaching company? It led to, so the coaching company that I've helped established recently um, is actually a reformation of the same people that helped make the original consulting firm back in 2011 when I joined it. I think I was employee number three. Technically, I'm employee number one of this new, that's uh, technically a startup. Okay. Um, but we have an established network of people and uh, clients. That same group of people, most of them that helped create Davis-based consulting back in the day, in 2011, uh, is when I joined. That same group of people are also, um, three of us are starting this institute agility. Okay, and you've had this for how long? Um, it's been an idea for a couple of years. So I wanna fast forward a little bit. Okay. Um, I joined Davis-based, that's when I began my coaching career and passion. Gotcha. And over the course of 10 to 11 years, um, I went, I was a part of multiple acquisitions. So we grew Davis Base from three employees to 50-ish at the point we were acquired by another consulting firm, which was one at the time, they had about 150 people. And they were one of the leading agile consultancies firms in the world. They were eventually acquired. So a year after Davis Base was acquired by Solutions IQ, Solutions IQ was acquired by Accenture which grew us to being 200 people within a 400,000 employee global uh, enterprise. Uh, throughout that journey, not only did I learn about Agile as a framework and as a discipline to help organizations be able to make quick pivots, specifically in software, but we also, you know, I've worked with FedEx uh, Ground and helped them implement how teams might be able to get um, non-software value out there quickly, like getting safety protocols and procedures to their drivers based on the feedback that they were receiving. Hmm. So I wanna make sure that viewers don't view this as, oh, it's only about software. We, we can even speak later about how I believe these fundamental principles and values apply to uh, families and how we use it at home. Okay, that'd be interesting. I so mean, I, I've, I've been able to be, the, the organizations that I was part of, they invested in us as knowledge workers, as people in, in the organization. Um, I was able to go and learn from some of the best coaches, not just software development coaches, not just agile coaches, but um, professional coaches in whatever industry. Um, organizational relationships, systems coaching um, is one of those. And so through working, at this organization, you, I mean, you just fell in love with this craft yeah. of coaching and you, and 
you just had the spark of like, let me, <laughs> let me pull a couple other people and let's, let's go do our own thing. Pretty I mean, how, how do you want to be different than everything that's already out there? So that's, that's actually a very interesting question that you didn't even uh, know to ask. Um, so we actually believe that um, somebody needs, to, we want to have an impact. Our mission is have an impact on the lives of the people in our organization as we grow, which we believe we're going to, we're gonna have exponential rapid growth. We have no desire to ever be acquired. Um, we will be employee owned company. Uh, we're gonna have more of a holacracy uh, type of approach. We don't have a hierarchy, if you will. We, we believe in a mission to, to impact the world. And we, as part of that, we, it's, it's interesting, Colin. There are agile coaches that talk about innovation and they help organizations to innovate, but the agile industry as a whole, I believe, we believe at Institute Agility is that it's in a moment where it needs to, to rethink the approaches that we've used. And we believe that we can disrupt the agile coaching market uh, with some new services or products. So some of the things that I um, worked with you on, Lean Business Canvas, things like that, we're actually deep in that right now. When I'm not engaging in cl with clients, I'm engaging with my peers within Institute Agility, and we practice the same things that we coach other organizations to do. Interesting. So, in the, I mean, in the prelim stuff that I sent you, so and just so like our audience is aware, I, I always send out like a little, I mean, it's really a quick questionnaire. I mean, basically, so I know how the guests would like to be introduced on the show, like little things like that. But, you know, I always like to know like what, like where the passion is, where the fire is. And 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 one of the things that you had said in the prelim stuff was, uh, you, it says that your curiosity of change theory created a natural transition to being an agile coach. Like, what do you mean by that? We all experience change differently. And whenever I, whenever I started to learn through the teams that I was working with and, and even on, I noticed that um, change was easy for some and change was difficult for others, depending on where they're at in their work life, at home. There are a variety of influencers for that. So I wanted to study not only why certain teams were able to be successful and, and become successful and high performing quickly. Whereas other teams, no matter how hard they tried, um, either they didn't get to a high performing stage, they didn't reach that stage of development. So I started to study the science behind why, um, behind change. And what I learned is that for some people crossing over from what's true today to what is trying to happen, and that's what I try to help do is help that new thing emerge, whether it be within a, an individual, a team, a team of teams or an entire enterprise through large scale transformations, if you will, of changing culture and behaviors and habits. Um, I learned that how do you help as leaders and as change agents to navigate that, that switch, um, even for those that it's difficult. So. For me, change is super easy. Really? For the most part. There are some things that are, that are challenging, but I've learned how to navigate that and um, 
one of the, one of the things is how do I reach out for help? I recently started learning how to play golf. And that was that was super challenging for me, Colin. I'm a coach, but I had this stigma that <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not gonna hire a coach to learn how to play a sport. Um, but through doing that, it's helped me become a better coach and become a better husband and, and father. Yeah, I mean, so many people are uh, the majority of people are resistant to change, wouldn't you think? Yeah, um, change is hard. You just get so used to doing one thing. I mean, I, I'm even thinking like within my or, own organization, it's like, okay, like I'm gonna completely, you know, change this particular process or whatever it is. It's just like, it feels yeah. like there's always pushback. So it's getting alignment and buy-in. So how do we align to the change? And a lot of what we encourage leaders to do is start with why. Help make sure that everyone understands how their part in that system and when I talk about systems, I'm talking about relationship systems, teams and organizations. Families are relationship systems. Um, start with why. why. Why is the change, what impact is it gonna have on us as an organization, but also what is the impact it's gonna have? And it also plays into leaders understanding the behavior styles of their people and what they value. When we can connect on that level, um, and help navigate the change rather than just forcing the change uh, through supportive and leadership behaviors, change can can become less a necessary evil and more of a, a passion. The organizations that understand how to change and pivot quickly through continuously transforming, they are gonna be the ones that lead in whatever industry that they are in. Yeah. I mean, if you have a culture of change, it makes it super easy to adapt to whatever circumstances that are in the marketplace. Just move. Have a culture of change, but also have some sense of, every organization has some sense of hierarchy, but have stability, security. Yeah. Because there are some people that, that require that. Uh, you know, I'm really starting to learn more about like disk and values. Uh, disk being an assessment to understand. Uh, are you familiar with that, yep. Colin? So I'm, I'm really deep into that right now. Um, I actually was in a training today and will be tomorrow and Thursday. Just understanding why people show up the way that they do. It's, it's just another tool in my toolkit, if you will. Yeah. There are some, you know, there are different fundamental beliefs around why humans behave the way that they do. And especially in certain settings, work versus home. Okay. So I have uh, a handful of questions sure. here that I've kind of prepared <laughs> I, I might have some responses <laughs> so so we'll, we'll see we'll try to try to make them uh as rapid fire as possible because sure. i think i think they could be super interesting to our audience and uh just so our audience knows i don't know if you guys know it's like we didn't really say anything on the show like i've been trying to tighten these episodes up for you guys like you know i i, I mean i think it's good feedback i i like to talk a lot <laughs> I can go. I can go an hour easy. I could probably go two hours easy sometimes. So, uh, as you mentioned that as a coach, I already have so many questions. Really? Like, what oh, are your man. feedback loops? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. That's cool. Uh, so we know. I mean, and, and a lot of this is coming from like the you know me me asking a coach, right? Like this is this is just, these are the things that I know impact teams. And so you talk about being an agile agile coach. Like these are the things that are coming to my head, right? So so much of what happens in our work is impacted by what happens at home. Hmm. Right. So, uh, but, but so often like employers, like we really don't want to like pry <laughs> into the personal lives, uh, you know, 
of our team, right? Like at, at the end of the day, it's like, mm-hmm. I, like I just want, like I want you to sh- come to work and perform your job to the very best of your ability, right? So I mean, my, I guess one of my questions is like, what should employers do? I mean, like it's, it's just, I, I find it difficult because like you want, <laughs> I'm tr- trying not to repeat the same question, but it's like, you, like you wanna empathize with whatever's going on without kind of like prying into their life too much, you know, because at the end of the day, you, like you're not, you still need to have a business that needs to be run, right? And sure. I, this is something that I've had a constant just, you know, battle with, and, and I, I feel like as organizations scale, it, it becomes a, a, a bigger problem, um, because you almost get this mindset of, you just get used to people calling out, or um, it almost becomes just, you know, habit, or, you know, maybe that's not the right word, but, more, I guess it becomes like more frequent, it's just kind of like part, of, almost like part of the culture, it's just like, oh, so-and-so called out, it's like, now, now the rest of the team has to pick up the pick up the pieces, which is the part that I hate because I hate when somebody calls out sick or uh, or calls out because they have uh, they need a mental health day, you know, yeah. and and I'm like, oh, like this person needs a mental health day, and uh, like legit, man, I'm like thinking to myself, you know who needs a mental health day? <laughs> this, this guy, guy. <laughs> but you know who's showing up to work? <sighs> this guy, you know what I mean? So. I know, I probably sound like a complete asshole for you know to our audiences. Like, oh my gosh, like Colin's the most non-empathetic person, which is not true at all. But like, sorry for rambling, <laughs> audience. Well, I, I want to reposition something for a second, though. You're not an employee. You, as a leader, the one of the best things we can do is be able to provide impact feedback, regardless of how you're positioned in a in a in a team or in an organization. Feedback is one of the best gifts that we can receive as humans, uh, especially within relationships. So how might we provide impact feedback that helps that person understand when they do certain things, the impact it has on the organization and their team members? Mm-hmm. That That's the first place that I go to is what might impact feedback look like? Uh, but saying it in a way that resonates with that person based on their behavior style and and what they are valuing. Uh, so when you do this thing, when you don't show up for work, the impact on me or the organization is we struggle in whatever way. Uh, but also I think, you know, in order to be able to provide impact feedback, there's this fundamental aspect of there needs to be trust within the relationship. Uh, if you've never read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, the author talks about how without trust, none of the other things can can evolve and become possible. Uh, so making sure that as a leader, you create a, a system, a culture, where we trust that everyone's always doing the right things. At, at Davis Space Consulting, we didn't have a, an employee handbook. Mm. Uh, our employee handbook, employee handbook was, even when we grew to 50 people, it was one statement. Um, do the right thing for your families, for each other, and for your clients. And when people didn't behave that way, we we had a system where we had established and we aligned on this frequently was we give each other feedback and we knew that. Uh, as difficult as the feedback might be to give, we knew it was the right thing to help. 
But Cody, isn't there like way too much gray area in that? Like not having a handbook and having this one <laughs> statement and having, you know, because it could easily, that, and maybe this is just my experience, but like I just feel like somebody's gonna be saying, well, you know, you know, take care of my family, take care, well, I have to take care of my family today, so I can't take care of my clients. And if you want me to take care of my clients, well, then I can't take care of my family. And uh, you know, like I feel like, I don't know, may, maybe you know. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just in the wrong business. But I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like so many people would take that as an opportunity to twist it and like make their own of it to fulfill them and benefit sure. them. We we never brought people into our organization that didn't believe the things that we believed. Um, we had a process, we had the ability to make sure we were filtering the people that wouldn't align to that thinking. It, it, we do the same thing with our clients today, right? We don't just work with any organization. We wanna make sure the organization we're working with is working towards the same things and not only we can help further their mission, but they help further ours. So, and you know, we could go down a tangent here or go down a rabbit hole, but I wanna put it out there that knowledge work and you know, not all work environments are the same. Knowledge work is different than physical labor as an example. Uh, so the types of cultures that we are able to create, it's, it's fundamentally different. People in a physical labor environment are, are motivated differently than those that need to innovate frequently. It's just the truth. Um, Daniel Pink talks about that a lot. Um, so it's it's important to understand that as well. Um, what kind of work environment are we creating and what is our, our mission and our vision? Constantly realigning to that. And when someone does something that doesn't further that mission, it's an opportunity for feedback. If, if we can't do that, we won't be able to grow as an organization, it's my belief. Okay. So at the, I mean, a few minutes ago, you said something about, you know, uh, the stuff with family. Hmm. And I mean, why don't you just kind of explain what, what like what what you were thinking and where you were going with that? When whenever I put that out there, um, I had a moment of clarity. So I, whenever I think back all the time, and I'm thinking about memories and moments, it's always about the relationship, the people. It, it's just who I am. That's what I value. Uh, I remember a time when Sarah, my amazing wife, um, <laughs> she uh, she provided me feedback. And in the moment, she said that I changed my mind frequently. So I'm gonna mm. tie this in here in a second. What I, at, the, at the time, I, I process things differently than most people. I need things to sit, and it may be six months before I go back to that moment. <laughs> Years later, I went back to that moment. And as I was being coached, I realized that, because I had been background processing that for a long time. Whenever I make changes frequently, it's about the, the how, but I never change the why. Infrequently, so in regards to families and being able to pivot and make adjustments, COVID's taught us that in the past year, right? 
um, all or all relationship systems need to be able to learn quickly and make pivots, whether it be restaurants, large scale software companies, or um, families. What I go back to in that moment and what I realized was I wasn't flawed. That's who I am. And I, I don't believe that Sarah viewed, she was just giving me feedback. She didn't view that as a flaw in me. That's not the type of relationship we have, which you probably see that in the, in the way that we work together and the way we engage. But what I realized was I always keep the why in picture. So what is our vision? As families, we need to have some roadmap that we're working towards something. We're, we're trying to uh, build a house soon. And we have goals, financial goals that we want to achieve. And we recently went back and revisited that to see where we're tracking. So just like with software development teams or organizations, we put those big, hairy, audacious goals out there. We do that. We dream a lot. But we also bring it down a level towards more like the, uh, the reality. How are we going to achieve those things? And we frequently have conversations about, we ask each other, you know, how are things going? What's, what's not working well? Uh, so we make sure that we um, introduce feedback cycles to learn, to make adjustments to what we're trying to, to achieve as a family. And when things don't align to that, we, we make pivots. So that's kind of the balance that we try to strike. Um, so going back to that moment with Sarah, what, what we've realized is that Cody's gonna make changes in his mind frequently. <laughs> That's just who I am. But instead of going to Disney World for the weekend, I bring it back to why we were going to Disney World. If we're not gonna go to Disney World, what is something that we could do instead that would still get us that outcome? So instead of focusing on what and how, we, we try to bring it always back to the dreaming, the why. Bro, I, sometimes you just gotta say, let's go to Disney World. <laughs> and, and she has the ability to overrule me at any moment ah. time, and, and Claire as well. So I have a completely different approach. My, my approach is, Shannon says, the boys have a soccer tournament this weekend. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's my, we're going to Disney World this, this weekend. Cool. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, yeah, I, I just I just go with I, I'm, I'm the go with the flow. I definitely. Maybe I need to ask why more. <laughs> but but that speaks to your behavior style. Yeah. You're you're, oh, for you're, sure. you're comfortable with it and she knows that about you. Yeah, no, I'm definitely like for me I'm like weekends, family time, whatever doing, soccer tournaments, hanging out at home, going on a weekend trip. Let's go. All relationships free, are different. It, what's important is that you understand what is important for each other and, and what they value and how we achieve that together. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that, you know, I mean, I'll just say this because you work with, you know, teams and, and that kind of thing. I mean, from a small, from a small business standpoint, I, and, and from a lot of our listeners probably who own small businesses, one of the things that I find incredibly challenging is kind of knowing what motivates like each person. Mm. Right, I think I think it's incredibly important to know that, um, but I also find it difficult to be able to um, 
not only remember what motivates each member of the team, but also be able to deliver on that. Hmm. And, and so I'm, I'll try to explain a little bit, right? Like, well, I'll say, if you have any tips on ways to like really remember what, you know, how employers can remember what motivates their different team members, I think that would be incredibly, and maybe that's some sort of feedback loop that you're constantly in. Um, but, but in addition to that, like, let me try to set up an example. For one person, it might be money, right? Money can be the mo- motivator. Sure. For another person, like, it could be that they want to leave right at 5 p.m. on the nose because they want to go coach their kid's soccer. Or maybe they want to leave at 4 p.m. because they want to go coach their son's soccer. But the business closes at 5. Well, I find it like, okay, if you let this person, you know that's what motivates them. They love their job. They'll come to work and they'll work hard until 4 p.m. And then they want to leave because they want to go coach their kid's soccer team. Yeah. Right? But then that almost looks like you're giving favor to that person by allowing that to happen when everybody else is working until 5 p.m. Right? But you know that the money is the motivator for this person. And so it becomes this like tug of war in a lot of ways, this constant battle of, and and for me, like I'm very much like, it doesn't matter why this person's leaving at four. Like for like, why is it any of the other, the rest of the team's business in a lot of ways, you know, I'm like, it's, I know that this is what this person wants to do. They want to go coach their kids soccer team. You don't have kids, you know? And I'm like completely making this example up. Like this is not a real scenario or anything. Um, But it's that kind of scenario, something that I see often and that I've had conversations with other businesses about. So I was just kind of curious about your perspective on something like that, Mm. bringing it full circle now. Ways to keep track of, you know, what motivates each team member. Sure. And then what do you do in a situation like that one? You you tapped into a little bit. One is the feedback cycles, Mm. the feedback loops. that also implies that a team is self-organizing and self-managing, autonomous. Um, one thing that we do is we make sure that we set up teams to where they actually, they organize and, and manage itself. Um, to where through the feedback cycles, they have the opportunity, as long as we are achieving the goal of our team and the organization, everything's gonna be okay. Mm but it requires that they're constantly in, in tune with what goals did we set for this time period? How are we working towards those goals together? And what adjustments do we need to make now to make sure we achieve that at that point in time? And those teams, after establishing trust, when they get to a high-performing state, they have the ability to, to make adjustments along that way. The other thing that you, you mentioned feedback loops, you have the benefit of being co-located. Um, you talked about what are the things that motivate them, but I think I heard you, I would use the term value. What do they value more? Mm-hmm. Um, which is in essence a motivation, but you have the benefit of being able to put information radiators. You know, I see here in the studio, you've got things that radiate all over the place. What if, you know, what prevents team members from being able to post what are the things that they value? 
So maybe help guide them in an exercise to, to where they could each feel confident and proud of displaying that for others to see. Mm. That might be a beautiful thing. That's one of the things that we did in the, uh, in the pre-COVID world, but now in a virtual world, we have to figure out how might we make those, radiate, those information radiators visible constantly in a digital space. Um, but you, you have the benefit of having that co-location. So use that to your advantage, Colin. Yeah. This is interesting stuff, man. I mean, I could go down so many rabbit holes with this. <laughs> um, what, what's cool about that is, if, you know, put the team first. Uh, the teams are the fundamental value delivery system of organizations. Yeah, no. They need to be small, they need to be persistent and long-lived. Stable, not static, stable. And when we create that, because learning how to work together is being human together is the hardest part of being teams. It's, it's not the things that we do. Mm-hmm. It's how we engage, and it all starts with conversation. Through conversation, our relationship can evolve when our relationship involves, our outcomes can improve. With companies that start to grow and they start to scale, mm. you know, are you making, you know, focusing on smaller groups within a larger group? So let, I me, guess, let I guess, me give I, an example of that real quick and it okay. might help shape the conversation. Yeah. One of my clients right now in the past six months went from being a small startup going through and now is a publicly traded company. They went public with IPO and they went from being small and now they're, they're experiencing more growth than any organization I've seen in quite a while. Um, and they're experiencing some challenges related to that. So yeah. does that help frame a conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just kind of curious is, you know, if they're, from your experience, especially on this coaching side, is there like a perfect size team? You know, because uh, because if you go from ten people to fifty people, mm-hmm. you know things can change. You know, the whole dynamic of everything can change pretty rapidly. Sure, but you know, is there a benefit to having you know groups of ten within the fifty? Um, and should businesses like really maintain that or think that way as they start to scale? I'll start by speaking from a position of technology teams, software teams, uh, and then we'll branch out from there. Some of it's empirical evidence. Experience has taught us certain things. Uh, Some of it, a lot of what we coach and teach goes back to the science of relationships and specifically the study of families, which is how I got into all of this is I, I I struggled for a time there where I felt like I failed a relationship, my ex-wife. That's mm-hmm. where all this stuff kind of goes back to. Um, relationships are so important. I don't ever want to fail in a relationship ever again. Um, or at least I want to play an influential part to, to have an impact in that. Um, so when we blend empiricism and the science of relationships, what we've learned with software development teams is there is a minimum and a maximum size. 
uh, we call them two pizzas teams. Uh, actually, I think it's Jeff Bezos came up with that. Uh, you know who Jeff Bezos is? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought you might. Um, he said, I-, I want two pizza teams. What he was implying is I want teams that are small enough where two pizzas will sustain them. It'll satisfy them. Uh, I've met some people that could be one person, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Five to nine people. The science behind it is 15 people is the max number of people that we can have a deep relationship with. And if we are working together and the impact of family and work is, is, there's a meshing there, then we believe that the smaller we can keep our teams, the better because then they can have an understanding of how we actually are in relationship together and, and be able to align quickly and frequently. Um, so we, we typically say, you know, five to nine people for, for those teams. When you get a bond, you know, it, there's things like communication channels. Have you studied the science between, you know, it's a formula where the difference between five and 10 people the communication channels is vast. Um, so that's part of it, but it goes back to just being able to have that deep relationship with each other. Makes sense. Yeah, we keep <laughs> small teams. Yeah. When we need more teams or more people to deliver something together, then we look at frameworks where we can align those teams. Right. We synchronize and align their, their cadence to where they can integrate and have those feedback loops. Um, so when we scale, we look at scaling frameworks, but we try not to go there until we absolutely need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting stuff, man. Um, where can our audience like connect with you if they want to like learn more about what you guys do and learn more about your, uh, Institute Agility? Instituteagility.com. Okay. Um, or come out to Turkey Creek and play some golf with me (laughs) for that too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our website. Okay. uh, Instituteagility.com. Uh, feel free, you know, there's some contact us page. Um, certainly if you're ever interested in any of some of the tools that we use, we'd love to have a conversation. Um, I've actually recently started to engage with a local startup to, cool. to understand what they're doing. Um, I do it as volunteer work. Hopefully one day when they scale, they'll- Remember. They'll, they'll call <laughs> Very cool. Well, and I, I can speak firsthand too because Cody's done some coaching stuff with me um, and, and it was awesome. I mean, just really, you know, I, I think that's what's really important about coaching is it just kind of gets you to start looking th- at things differently. Yeah. I mean, you, I, it's easy to get, you know, in a routine and, you know, and in, in fact, like my pastor at church uh, recently mentioned something uh about, you know, like you could be in your house and he was he was relating it to a sermon he was given, but like, he was, you know, you could, in your own house, you could have like wires hanging out of a wall or something and you can be like, oh, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna eventually get to that, you know, I'm gonna fix that, I'm gonna fix that. And like, and you continuously, you walk by it, you walk by it, you walk by it, and you, you know you're gonna get to it, right? <laughs> and you're gonna get, get to, and eventually, you know, you almost become so, uh, you know, blind to it because you're just so used to it being there. Yeah. Right. 
And it's not until somebody else walks into your house that Dude, you got like walls hanging. You got like wires hanging out of your wall. <laughs> you know, like maybe you should do something about that. And I was like thinking, I'm like, man, that, that's so true. You know, you just get so used to the way things are sometimes um, that sometimes are like having a coach or having somebody like just with a fresh perspective or bringing you new questions that you haven't really thought about before uh, just really opens your eyes to a whole new world. Um, and so I, you know, I appreciated it. I really enjoyed, uh, the time that we had, uh, going back and forth via zoom during the pandemic on that stuff. Uh, and I get into conversations with this guy all the time. So I would suggest you guys definitely check him out. Um, he said Institute agility or agility Institute, Institute agility, Institute agility.com. And if you don't reach out to us and you do reach out to a coach, make sure that they the best thing a coach can do is just reflect back and mirror what they're seeing and sensing yeah. and see if it resonates and, and help you decide what you want to do with that information. Cool. Thanks for coming, Cody. Yeah, man. Thanks Appreciate for the it, invite. This is cool. Absolutely. And uh, thanks so much to James Leitner for putting on this show and with the lighting and the camera action and everything, he makes us look so good. So James, thank you so much for everything you do, man. Always appreciate you. And podcast fam, if you're driving and didn't have a chance to write down the information from our sponsors, just remember that we always put the sponsor links down in the show notes. Um, and you can always find, find them at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. And special love this episode to our friends over at The Best Restoration. You guys, you need to have friends on your side when disasters happen, when that toilet overflows or when that pipe bursts in the wall. and Or if you're like us and you move to an, into a business, a, a place full of mold, uh, The Best Restoration is there for you. They came in, they did mold remediation, they did, I mean, they knocked out walls. It was, it was awesome, actually. It was a great process. And uh, they made it nice and easy. So I can speak firsthand to the quality of their work. Be sure to give them a call at 352-505-3321 or visit them at thebestrestoration.com. These guys are the masters of disaster. And when you call them, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, whoa. We will see you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.